Basketball is Hood. It's time for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast with Jonathan Hood. You love basketball, you've come to the right place. What's up? Welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Use the promo code WMVP because it is All-Star Weekend in the NBA in Cleveland, Ohio. So for the slam dunk competition, for the three-point competition, right? For the All-Star game itself, take the over. Um, I want you to go to DraftKings. DraftKings is good to me. They're good to this podcast. They'll be good to you. Sign up, DraftKings.com. Download the app DraftKings and use the promo code WMVP and take a look at all the savings that you can get. Oh, the opt-ins, man, the parlays, man, it's really cool. DraftKings, that's the place you go. Well, I want to make a few announcements before we hear from our guest out in Brooklyn, and that is that I will be hosting on SiriusXM NBA Radio. If you have SiriusXM, you probably have NBA Radio Channel 86, right? You probably do. You probably do. And if you do, you can hear your boy, Jonathan Hood, on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday after All-Star Saturday, I'll be on after those slam dunk competition, after the three-point competition, after the skills competition. I'll be on Saturday night. And also, again, on Sunday night, I'll be on as well after the All-Star game. So if you love the NBA and you listen to this podcast and you want fresh NBA thoughts about All-Star weekend or about the second half of the NBA season, I will be on. So make sure that you join me on SiriusXM NBA Radio. You can catch me on Saturday and Sunday because the NBA never stops. I never stop as well because this is our halftime. This is our break until we get ready for the second half of the season. So I just wanted to promote that first and foremost, uh, that I look forward to being on NBA radio. I do shows from there from time to time, and I'm going to be on this weekend, both days, Saturday and Sunday. Nick Friedel covers the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA for ESPN.com and ESPN. My guy is gone from the Golden State Warriors, going being out in San Francisco covering Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to now covering... Kyrie Irving and covering Kevin Durant and now Ben Simmons part of this mix as well with the Brooklyn Nets. So we're going to talk to Nick about working and dealing with Kyrie and whether or not he's going to be a full-time player again. Ben Simmons, the new Brooklyn Net. We'll talk about James Harden going to Philadelphia and how that increases their chances to win a championship or not. And of course, Around the 20-minute mark, we talk about the Chicago Bulls. Nick lays out what he thinks, what he really thinks about the Chicago Bulls and their chances in the Eastern Conference. And we will talk about the Western Conference as well. If you had your druthers, if I said, take the Phoenix Suns or the field in the Western Conference, who do you take? You going with Golden State? You going with Memphis? You going to stick with Phoenix? Lakers resurgence? Denver, Utah, how would you look at that in the Western Conference? So that we spray to all fields with Nick Friedel, my buddy, in Brooklyn. We'll get his thoughts about that right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings. Let's 
just got to our guy, Nick Friedel, who covers the NBA for ESPN.com. He joins us here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Nick, what's happening? My man, it, the fun never stops out here. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing very well. I have a number of things to ask you here about the first half of the season as we get ready for All-Star Weekend in Cleveland. I uh, uh, Let me first start talking about Brooklyn uh, as they were able to come from behind in a big way to beat the Knicks. This was a, uh, this was a pleasure for you. You're covering the Brooklyn Nets. You know the 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 storylines is in Brooklyn. And then your buddy Tom Thibodeau is on the other side. The Oregon's banging at Madison Square Garden. Dun, dun, dun. And Knicks fans feel good. They feel like they're going to get a victory against their city rival. And then the bottom falls out for Tibbs. How's that emotional roller coaster for you there? Covering the nets with everything that's going on. And then your buddy Tibbs losing again. Well, what was completely insane in context is that on top of all of that, in my past meeting my present, I'm listening to Tibbs pregame, and I don't even think he saw me in the room. And somebody asked about Derek, and he said, ah, you know, Derek's coming back from, I believe it was ankle surgery, and he should be ready after the break, but he hadn't been cleared for contact yet. Oh, God. Oh, my my gosh. (laughs) So I walk out on the floor at the garden, and who do I see? Derek. And, and we had a nice couple minutes. I mean, I, I, I just, I love seeing him. Uh, I, I think there is that respect of fact <laughs> we both lived our basketball journeys together because I came to Chicago, as you know, right at the end of Derek's rookie year. Yeah. And, and we've all been through a, a whole lot since then. So uh, I see him and, and we had a, a nice couple minutes and then you're watching the Knicks and you're like, all right, they're just dominating an undermanned Brooklyn team and to see them completely melt down and to see Hoodie, to see Tibbs on the sidelines just almost in shock. I mean, you're letting Seth Curry wide open at the end of the game. You're not challenging defensively or getting the loose balls or, or getting the hustle plays that we're so used to seeing Tibbs teams in the past get. Uh, it was jarring. And there's a lot of speculation about Tibbs' future here right now. I, oh. I don't think that's the uh, <laughs> the right move a year and a half after bringing him in. But when you're watching this team, uh, this Knicks team, you're seeing a team devoid of stars. And you're seeing a team that really looks to have lost its way. So it was a really strange experience for me, frankly, because I'm, I'm watching the Nets. I'm getting to know them and learn the ins and outs there. And they seem to be... Uh, on track after you get that Harden deal, uh, and which I know we'll get into, but to see the Knicks just fade the way they did was strange. Wow. Uh, and, and you know that Thibodeau is dying inside every loss. Dying. Just dying. But this is, it's funny that uh, Cap and I were just talking about this this week. We're talking about Tibbs, and the, the topic was what's more of a talented team, the Thibodeau Bulls or the the Bulls that we see today under Billy Donovan, right? And I kept making the point that the teams that you covered, Thibodeau was getting it done with Elmer's glue and tongue depressors, right? You, you covered games where they ran the offense through Noah, right? like because oh, yeah. of injuries, right? I mean, like, it was amazing the wizardry that, that uh, Thibodeau had to try to keep the team together around Derek's injury or Luol's injuries and, I mean, Ronnie Brewer, all that, right? I mean, he did a nice job, but... 
what I'm seeing now is just a team that just doesn't have enough talent. And this is on Leon Rose more so than anything else. Tibbs is doing what he can, but you can't win without talent. A hundred percent. And that's why I, I tell you what else was strange about that game against the Knicks and Nets. I'm in there post game and I'm listening to Tibbs and he's saying, you know, our young guys have to just come together and they need some more time. And I'm thinking that is not the Tibbs that I grew up with. No, the Tibbs I grew up with was we've got more than enough to win with. Uh, we're playing a game on the roof. Grab the ladders, uh, you know all the the Tibbs isms that come through. Uh, I I know how frustrated he is in the way the Knicks are playing right now, and I believe, having watched him for so many years, that he can still turn this thing around. But if if Tom has learned anything as a head coach of which he already knew and has known for a long time is that there comes a point where you just don't have enough talent and the Knicks don't have enough talent right now and I know the expectations were sky high after last season getting to the fourth seed making that push the garden was rocking again but look at the roster there's just not a lot of talent the Fournier move Hasn't worked the way they wanted. Campbell Walker looks like he's uh, close to the end of, of being a productive player. Derek got hurt. That really messed their bench up. And they, they have a bunch of other young guys. And Randall has taken a step back. I, mean, I don't care who your coach is. You're not going to win when the roster looks the way that it does. So uh, uh, a strange state of affairs uh, for both of these teams in New York. But the Nets are are headed in a solid direction, I believe. And I think their time is coming here after the All-Star break. And the Knicks just look like a team that is not going to be able to get right. Oh, boy. This Nets team you're covering. Every day there's drama. My God. Kanye West said it's too much for him to handle. It's too so much drama, right? So It, it, it never stops, my man. <laughs> All right. Let's, it never stops. Here, here's a place that you didn't think I'd start. Let me start with Kyrie Irving. Okay, your interaction with Kyrie, you and I have not talked about this, I've not texted you about this, but your interaction with him, I think that really opened my eyes to who Kyrie is. Do you remember that conversation, the back and forth, where you're not attacking him, you're just trying to find out in context what is on his mind about COVID-19, is he going to be a full-time player again? So what do you what do you think of Kyrie after now dealing with him on a, almost a daily basis, so what do you think of Kyrie and his chances of returning full-time? Well, for, first and foremost, uh, after that exchange in Cleveland that you're referencing, uh, referencing Hoodie, and then the other night in Miami, we had another back and forth. Mm. Uh, what is very clear is Kyrie is not going to take the shot. And so if the mandate stays in place here in New York City, Kyrie is not going to be a full-time player. Uh, it's it's just not going to change. He the, the part that struck me was that he does not feel any guilt. Because I asked him, I said, do you feel guilty watching these games, knowing you can be out there? And he just looked at me like, what are you talking about? And he's made a personal decision. That is his right, and that is his choice. But he doesn't feel like he is letting down the team in any way by, uh, by doing what he's doing. Uh, I've actually enjoyed listening to him and having the back and forth I, th I think he's a smart guy I think sometimes that he thinks he's uh, much smarter than everybody else in the room and, and that's been a common theme uh, 
not only in these last couple months, but throughout his career, when you talk to the people that have covered Kyrie, but uh, as far as the vaccine stuff goes, it's just a very strange situation. And Adam Silver said what he said the other day on Get Up, and I think that was directed right at uh, the, the mayor's office in, in New York, but also it was a message to Kyrie, hey, I, I got your back. I, I'm I'm here for you. I, I see what's going on, and I, I want to make my presence felt. So all of that is to say... I have obviously not covered him on a day-to-day basis. I'd only seen him from a distance in Cleveland and in Boston. But he, I think people forget sometimes because of all the other stuff going on around Kyrie and, and some of the stuff he says and does. This is an incredible basketball player. He is incredible offensively. Uh, Chauncey Billups told me a few weeks ago, he said, Kyrie's a wizard. <laughs> and Chauncey's right. I mean, I agree with him. To, to watch the things he can do, it's unbelievable. But that's where the frustration lies because you're thinking, okay, if he's on the floor, even without Harden, I still think the, the Nets could win the title if he played all the time, but he's not going to. And so uh, that's the only part as I'm watching this unfold. And, and it's, it's kind of sad to me because I, I enjoy the back and forth, but I enjoy the, the human element of this job. And largely because of the pandemic, that part's gone now. It doesn't exist. You can't have a normal back and forth conversation with no mics on or no cameras running uh, and, and just talk to somebody. And Kyrie only talks post-game, on the road. It's an uncomfortable setting to have those human interactions. But even after our last back-and-forth in Miami the other night, he comes up to me and he's like, oh, you know, you got to change up your questions. And I say, Kyrie, this is the only thing anybody cares about. They want to know if you're going to play. But as we're talking, Hoodie, there's a camera running right in our face. Uh, you know, people are, are watching what's going on, and I'm just thinking, you know, I, I miss the old days of the job where you could have uh, the the back and forth, as uncomfortable as it may be, mm-hmm. when it was just you and the player or you and the coach or the executive. And, and those days, for the time being, are gone, and, and, it, and it ties into a lot of the conversation uh, that I've I've had. Uh, not only with Kyrie, but about the situation that uh, that, he, that he's in and, and that I've been placed in covering the team. Which leads me to James Harden. How much is Kyrie's decision not to play full-time the reason why James Harden is a 76er today? He said in his press conference that it was minimal. And I've been here five, six weeks. And Hoodie, this is just my opinion. Uh, I, I think it was much more than that. James Harden... And this is a key scene in the whole season for the Nets. They have just absolutely dominated the Bulls in Chicago. You remember that game in the second half. The the NBA kind of looked around and woke up and went, oh, so this is what the Nets can be when Kyrie and KD and, and Harden are on the floor and healthy and playing together. James Harden Hoodie came into that small, I think it was like the visiting NHL room where they have the press conferences in the, inside the UC. It's where the the visiting teams uh, meet with the media. And Harden's talking and he gets up to go back in the locker room and, and he says, "Man, I'm going to give I'm going to give Kyrie the shot myself." <laughs> <laughs> and and it it got lost 
in the, the conversation of just how dominant they were and better days were ahead for the Nets and who knows what can happen. Maybe Kyrie will still take the shot. All of that was still up in the air. And then Kevin gets hurt and he's out for a month plus and Kyrie can't play at home. And James Harden is left to play with uh, a very young roster uh, in, in spots and with veterans, many of which are, are over the hill. And the team just isn't very good. And I'm sure he had Houston flashbacks. I don't want to do this stuff again. So in my opinion, I think it meant a lot as far as his decision goes because he knew how great they could be when they were all on the floor together. And I think the fact that Kyrie not only wasn't on the floor but was so strident in his decision – and, and wouldn't wouldn't even look at it like, all right, I'm doing this for the team. I'm doing this for the guys I'm playing with. I, I, I think Harden is, is not being as honest as he could be in saying that while there were certainly a lot of factors in play, and I don't think there's any question about that, uh, the idea that, that Kyrie's decision not to, to get this shot didn't play heavy into him wanting out of there, it just doesn't seem right to me because I listened to him and I watched him and I knew that Harden knew how good that team could be. And I think he realized that in the end, uh, unless there was a, a rollback on the, the mandate, nothing was going to change. Okay, so now here's Ben Simmons. So the Ben Simmons piece, well, this is just a, a really divided issue, Nick, regarding what's going on with Ben Simmons. What you mean? So the comments from Doc Rivers after the playoffs last year, I'm not sure if Ben Simmons can lead my team as a point guard to a championship. And obviously Ben Simmons was not happy with that. Joel Embiid with some comments about Ben Simmons, and we hadn't seen him play. And so now he sits out, he goes from the facility to uh, home and back and forth, and he was really not seen out in Philadelphia based on what I've been told. So now he's a net. So what's the expectations for Simmons as far as his health, mental health, and physical health for him to get back on the floor? I thought it was really interesting the comments that Patty Mills made on Wednesday, Hoodie, where he said, and he's no Ben Simmons, or at least initially met him in the equivalent of Australian elementary school. So he's known him for most of his life. And there's a relationship between Patty and the Simmons family and the Australia basketball program. He said there is a fire inside Ben to prove that not only can he still play at a, a high level, an all-star level, but he can get better. And I don't think the Nets make that move for Simmons unless they know that he's got a soft landing spot playing alongside KD, playing alongside Kyrie, at least on the road for now, and having Patty Mills in there as kind of like a big brother protector. And Kyrie has mentioned it as well. We want to welcome him with open arms. In reference to Simmons, he's known him uh, back to their ties uh, from Australia as well for a long time. Uh, and the expectation from the Nets is that because of all those factors in play, he's going to be in a very good place uh, mentally. And Simmons said as much at that introductory press conference. Uh, and I think physically, he looks like he's in good shape. The early returns have been pretty solid. Now, when exactly he comes back, we'll see. But uh, I know there was a lot of speculation around that game in Philly. That's March 10th. I'd be really surprised if he's not back before then. 
I'd be surprised, Hoodie, if he's not back soon after the break. I mean, when you have been training on your own that long and your team is headed down the stretch and they need to rack up a bunch of wins after going on that 11-game streak, I don't think they're going to force him back in the lineup. But as a competitor, I would think he wants to play and get out there and, and learn to play with Kyrie and learn to play with KD when he's back from his knee injury. So I think that Simmons really is going to fit with this Brooklyn team because I think his strengths, the perimeter defense, getting the ball up and down in transition, the ability to play make uh, for other guys, his strengths cover up a lot of Brooklyn's weaknesses and his weakness, notably the the, the shooting, shooting from distance and, and the free throw stuff, that can get covered up by the, the Kyries and the KDs and the Seth Currys of the world and Joe Harris if, if he ever gets back and is healthy after his own ankle surgery. So the basketball match between Simmons and the Nets is very, very solid on top of the fact, and this has gotten lost in the shuffle of all this, Seth Curry is damn good. Hoodie. Yes, he is. He is damn good. Yeah. And when he has the space and creates the space playing off Kevin and Kyrie and even Simmons when he's back, I, <laughs> I mean, I think people are sleeping on that part of this trade because they think, oh, it's it's Steph's brother. His name is Seth Curry. He can shoot the hell out of the ball. And I think he is going to be really, really good on this team with all these different playmakers. Yeah, this is um, it's interesting to watch what this team is going to look like because the argument will be Simmons, the uh, unwillingness to shoot from the outside, would rather not shoot free throws, but one of the best on-ball defenders, one of the best defenders at his size, could defend one through four at the very least. Um, and then, but then on the other side, if you have Harden and if you have Irving and Durant, you've got three scores. Because does Simmons fall into that category as well? Because if it's not the basket, Nick, he, he's he's not shooting from the outside. No, he's not. Uh, I mean, he he doesn't feel comfortable out there, and that's been proven to be the case for a long time. But but that's that's part of why I think Brooklyn was comfortable making this move, Woody, because they know. The, the stuff that Simmons was asked to do or the, some of the stuff that the Sixers wanted him to do over time, he doesn't have to do here. So uh, I, I think that there's going to be a, a feeling out period for everybody and an adjustment, and it's a strange time to make that with only a couple months left in the regular season. But to just write off the Nets as, ah, well, uh, I don't think they have it within them this year, I don't think that's right. Because if something happens with this this mandate, and that's why I, I'm glad you started with the Kyrie discussion because the Nets are really good. Mm-hmm. Kyrie is the difference in a full-time status between them winning the title this year or not. If he can play in all the games, and there's a lot that has to happen between now and then, if he can play, I, I'd still probably take Brooklyn... Uh, out of the East, or at least getting to the East Finals. If he can't, uh, all doors and all possibilities are open with this team. What about the Bulls, Nick? Oh, the Bulls. 
<laughs> Come on now. I right, listen. I'm gonna tell you something. You talk about some some resolve. Look at this team. This team has had issues with COVID and injuries and everything else, and they're still one of the top teams in the East going into the All Star break. I mean, your overall thoughts on what you've seen? It's gotta be impressive, right? It it is. And the fact that the Bulls have have played at this level with all the different issues that they've dealt with, hoodie that's just laid out. It's really, really a credit to Billy Donovan. It's a credit to the DeMar DeRozans and the Levines of the world in setting a tone because we know how important that is. When you have players that want to play for each other and that believe in the system that they're in, uh, you can get a lot of stuff done in the NBA, no matter who's in or who's out. And the Bulls have been really, really good. I'm a little concerned and have been all along, as you well know, that not only uh, does the schedule turn uh, after the break, and they've got a, a lot of difficult games coming up, It's it's been my argument for the entire season. I think the Bulls are a nice regular season story. Uh, they have exceeded expectations for sure. I grew up watching all these teams get into the playoffs and you need stars to win and DeRozan has played incredibly well incredibly well but he has never shown at least to this point to be the guy that can carry a team in the playoffs Levine had even been to the playoffs so we don't know how he's going to respond but my feeling about the Bulls has not changed and it hasn't wavered as I've watched the regular season play out I still don't think they're better than Milwaukee. I still don't think they're better than Miami. I certainly now don't think they're better than Philly with Harden, and I have never thought they were better than Brooklyn. If if KD and Kyrie, and let's see how Simmons looks when he's on the floor, right there, I don't care if they finish in the one or the two spot. With the wrong matchup, they could get bounced in the first round. And so all the optimism that's been building in the city – it can fade away quickly. But DeRozan has a, the power and the chance to change the narrative about his career. Levine can elevate his career to a different level if he starts playing in the big games like the difference maker he's shown to be at times the last couple seasons. So there are a lot of intriguing questions around this team. But as we sit here in the middle of February before the playoffs, Nothing that I've seen has changed because I think that as great as the Bulls have been, stars take over in the biggest of games, and I just don't see the stars that they have on their team measuring up to the other stars that are on those other teams that I mentioned. So we've talked about this already this season, Nick, but I'll, for those listening to us for the first time, I'll say it again. I believe that when I saw the roster together, I said this is a second-round-and-out basketball team. And what I meant is, like, this ain't just Zach Levine, right? DeMar DeRozan, whatever you think of DeMar DeRozan, uh, and let's, let's lay this out here, too, about DeMar DeRozan. So if DeMar DeRozan doesn't go to San Antonio, and if if Kawhi doesn't go, you know, go to Toronto, you know, maybe DeRozan is winning a championship with, with, with uh, Kyle Lowry. Maybe, maybe Dwayne Casey has that championship, but, but ultimately... 
we know that um, that Kawhi was the difference maker, and so Demar, uh, so DeRozan didn't get a championship. He went to San Antonio. We always know he was a solid pro, and I saw the twenty-one, twenty-two points a game. I said him along with Levine can work. Then they got Lonzo Ball via trade. I said Lonzo's getting better as a lead guard. Then they got a a, a hard nosed blue collar guy like Caruso. They got double double guy in Vucevic. I said, well, okay, at least the scoring's there, right, for them to get out of the first round that's that was my take at the beginning now we look at a team here where you're right the stars do take over even though this team's good there is not one guy go-to guy outside of DeRozan so far that you could say put the team on your back and then lead us to you know out of the playoffs and so I don't know how long this lasts with DeRozan all I know is that if this carries on this is a second-round team at the very least, Nick. I mean, because look at the East. You're right. The Heat, the Bucks, um, the Nets possibly. Maybe the 76ers are tough, but the Bulls against the Cavs, Bulls against the Celtics, Bulls against the Raptors, Hornets, I think that they can win those games, especially if it's a first-round matchup. I, and I think that uh, they're going to have a really solid chance against that second group. But this is why... These next few weeks are so critically important, mm-hmm. especially for the Bulls, hoodie. They need that home court advantage when they can get it. They mm-hmm. need that extra push uh, in the playoffs for a group that hadn't been together and hadn't had those moments uh, of of <laughs> trials and tribulations sure. that you have to deal with. So uh, I... But if you're a, but if you're a Bulls fan, you'll take that right after the guard packs nonsense. You'll take at least getting in the mix. Everybody can't win the championship, but at least you're at least you're going to win a playoff series, right? Yeah, I take that if I'm a Bulls fan. If you're a Bulls fan, hoodie, yeah. But this ties back to something you and I've been talking about now for a year with this team, with the the new front office with Karnasovas and Eversley. On the surface, I like the moves. That the Bulls always were better. They're better. They're a better team. They're, they have shot up to the East, the top of the East. Credit to them. Absolutely. My point when the, all those moves were made was I'm not sure what the ceiling is aside from get to the second round and get knocked out. And when you watch the way the moves were made, that's still the, the biggest question I have because – uh, you have to get DeRozan to play at this level now for the next couple seasons under that deal that he signed. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to max out Levine if you want to keep him long term. Uh, Vucevic is locked in, and you have no more uh, at least big time lottery picks or, or or picks in general because of all the deals that you made. So the Bulls window just doesn't appear to be that wide. And and let's see what happens in the playoffs. And again. I could be way off. Maybe this is a Bulls team that can get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Uh, we'll see. But when you make those moves, yes, you have your chips to be a second-round playoff team. And is that better than what we've seen the last few years? Of course it is. And the change had to happen. I mean, that was years too late that, that Mike Reisdorf waited and the Rhinestones waited to, to switch things out and start up fresh. But they made it. Credit to them, and they spent money. I mean, that's all good. But 
I just don't believe that this is a team, the way they're constructed, that can get to that point. They can be a legit title contender. And my point all along has been, I don't know how they're going to get that much better given the financial ramifications that are set in place on these next couple of years worth of, of roster construction. Embiid leaves Philly uh, in a couple of years. So anyway, so now we move on to... <laughs> I'm just dropping that little nugget on you before anyone else tells you. He'll get fed up with Harden. I mean, let's all right, just, just be honest, all right? The, the whole thing with Harden. Like, Harden is a very unique talent. Michael Jordan calls, right? He is able to get to the foul line at will. A, a terrific scorer individually. But at some point, Embiid's going to be like, well, what about me? I've got my MVP, you know, candidacy here. And I don't know how that works in the playoffs either, though, Nick. I don't know how that works. All I know is that here's a guy that forced his way out of two teams in 13 months. That's not that's not stable. That's not a stable teammate. That dude is just ring chasing. And I don't know how long Embiid's going to deal with that. I mean, he could deal with Simmons. You think he's going to have a short leash for Harden? I don't think so. Especially if they don't win this year. I mean, we're just sitting here talking about windows hoodie, and, and it's a part of the fabric of any NBA conversation. The, the Sixers window is right now. Yeah. Because I can tell you having watched Harden from a distance through the years and now Harden over the last four or five weeks day to day, that is not a guy, not a guy at all that I would want to give a max deal to. Pay fifty million or whatever the that next level of the, the super max is that that he's going to be eligible for. He just does not look like he's got the same burst. He's actually going to the line more once more a game this year compared to last year. And there are so many times if you watch any of those Nets games throughout this season, he'd go to the rim looking for that same call he's gotten a zillion times, and because the game is being called differently and because that explosion isn't the same, he's not getting it. And when that starts to happen, whew, the the decrease can happen very quickly. And if you're a Sixers fan, I think Harden still has plenty of good games within him, and he can still drop 30 or 35 when he wants to, but... The, the circumstances have to be just right for that to happen. You better hope that he makes it happen this year because if you're locked into Harden moving forward on that kind of contract, good luck to you. The Suns or the field to win the West? <sighs> Ooh. The Suns look very, very complete right now. Well, we know what, we know what that looks like. We've seen this before, haven't we? Absolutely. And so I... My answer would be I'd take the Suns, and here's why. Wow. I say that having watched uh, the Warriors, and I know that they can play at a whole different level when Draymond is back, and I know there's been slippage defensively. They haven't looked like the same team. When you have a disc issue, you got a back problem, even if he does come back and plays at a high level, hoodie, I don't know if we're seeing the Draymond that we saw the first couple months of the season. Because the Draymond we saw the first couple months of the season, if he was healthy, that's the defensive player of the year. He was the engine of everything they were doing. So I I would have taken the Warriors a month ago, and now I, I just don't see how you can, can make as strong of an argument, not only watching the way the Suns have been playing, but the Warriors, they've got flaws. 
What what is Wiseman going to give them? Are they going to go out and and get a, a, a center on the buyout market and cut somebody who's on the team right now? Steph was so great for those first couple months, and he's fallen off a little bit recently. There's there's just a, there are too many questions right now with the Warriors to not take the Suns against the field in the West. Man, that's something. That's something. I, and, and and here's the thing: if the Suns get back up there. Don't get there and, and lose again, right? You, it's everything's predicated on health, especially the health of Chris Paul. That's, that's what it's all about. It was a good team last year, Nick, but everything's predicated on Chris Paul and his health. And this is no shade against the Grizzlies, who's been a great regular season story, and the Warriors, at pretty much, you know, with with Clay and, and Steph returning. But man, if the Suns get there and they win the West, they got to win it all. Otherwise, what are you doing, right? Exactly, and this kind of this this almost brings the the conversation full circle. In that, if you're the Sun, so that you get to the finals again, and you can't pull it off, what can you do that's going to make you that much better? Given uh, all the different deals that are on the books, I mean, I, that's the the thing that you, you you just start to wonder. And Paul is getting up there through the years. I know he's been very durable this season. But anybody who's watched Chris Paul will say, okay, well, it's just a matter of time before something pops up, a hamstring, something else, and he doesn't look like the same player. We'll see. But if you're the Suns, now is your time. You didn't get there last year. You came real close. Uh, Golden State looks like they're flawed, and and they've got some injury problems that they're dealing with. Uh, As much as you want to think that maybe there's somebody else in the West that that can push I don't believe that as we sit here right now, although, Hoodie, I, I know we've discussed it, but I love Memphis. I just think they're probably a year too early, mm-hmm. and they need a little bit more seasoning and experience together in those big games. So I think it's Phoenix's time, but they have to go out and prove it now. All-Star Weekend's in Cleveland, and so I'll tie this together as the King returns home. Uh, LeBron James goes back to Cleveland with the rest of the All-Stars, and so... As we look at the Lakers, I, I, I mentioned this about a week ago. Nick, it is got to be frustrating for LeBron James. Yes, he put together a whole bunch of you know old heads and Hall of Famers to try to win a championship. You knew when you saw the roster, you said, well, that's old. I don't think that's going to work. The thing that's disappointing to me is that Anthony Davis, once again, can't stay healthy. How many of these shows that you and I have to do in, in which we talk about Anthony Davis and his health? I mean, he, he was writhing in pain again, going to be out for a couple of weeks. Ultimately, the linchpin to all this with the Lakers is Anthony Davis's health. I mean, I mean, out of all the choices that LeBron and Palenka put together with this Lakers team, I think LeBron was really leaning on Davis to stay healthy to try to elevate this Lakers team because he's really the guy. And as much as everyone likes or dislikes LeBron, that doesn't matter. Davis is supposed to be the young guy that's supposed to lead this team. And just like with the Pelicans, not just like with the Lakers, hurt again. That's not going to help. No. And just even hearing... The the Davis outline there, Hoodie, it just makes me even more frustrated that Anthony Davis is on that all-75 team and Dwight's not. <laughs> right back to the Dwight Howard that, that again. Really still mad. Still pisses me off. People have forgotten because they, they Dwight's uh, behavior on the floor has overshadowed it and he's not the same player he once was. Just how dominant he was when he was healthy. 
and and he was incredible in Orlando. And people got so caught up in Anthony Davis. Oh my gosh, they won in the bubble, and he was good. The guy cannot stay healthy, and I don't think that you can count on him as especially for LeBron, the guy who can be that 1A for a title team. Everything came together in that moment in Disney. Good for them. But long-term in the league, the Lakers can't be what they want to be without Davis being that guy. And he just has never shown to be that guy over and over and over again. So uh, there's always going to be intrigue around that team. There's always going to be drama, but I thought the same that you did, that Cleveland was going to be this huge homecoming and celebration of LeBron, and I'm sure he thought, oh, I'll be riding in with the Lakers kicking everybody's butt, and, and Russ is having this turnaround, and everything clicked with this team that everybody wrote off early in the year. Well, it didn't work out that way, so LeBron will still have his moment in Cleveland, and it'll be a celebration for him, but oof, that Lakers team, they are not what so many wanted them to be. Having said that, LeBron will end his career in Cleveland. Thank you. I believe that. I'm with you. On are that. you? Oh, are you? You like I thought out as like a mild take, but uh, I don't do first take or hot takes, so I do mild takes. That's uh, <laughs> what JD JD and I used to have that segment on the national show, but mild takes. Um, so so I, I so I say he he's so fed up with LA and can't control anything and. Uh, he's so far away from a championship now that he's going to return to Cleveland to save face again. That's what I believe. Uh, I don't know if it will happen instantly. At, at, but I, I at believe the end, yeah, he'll get he'll get one more run there for sure. Yeah, he still wants to play with Bronny. Oh, by the way, I did not tell you, man. So, so Cap and I did the that uh, high school game. Uh, those oh, yeah, high school I, games. I heard Cap telling telling you how many TikTok views he got or something. I was like, oh my, okay, yeah, that that's quality color. Um, <laughs> restaurant quality color analysis there, um, but um, uh, it was so cool to call Bronny's game with Sierra Canyon. And if you need a scouting report, I can give you one because I think Bronny, I'm sure that he'll be ready for the league in a few years. I know LeBron wants to play with his son or against his son, which will be a really cool moment. We haven't seen that since with the Griffies, uh, senior and junior, right, with Seattle. Uh, but, but boy, that would be really cool. But Bronny, it's going to be one summer, man. He's going to grow up. He's going to wake up one day. He's going to be 6'6". Like, he's 6'3 now, legit. But he's got his dad's court vision where it's like, you know, Bronny can score 35 if he wants to, 40 if he wants to. But he's got so many other talented players that he defers. I'm like, God, it's just like his dad. It's amazing. The, the I know he's just a high school player, but the tendencies are very much like his old man. Well, that it, that's going to be a lot of fun. And LeBron, whatever you think of him, hoodie, people have watched him for so many years and he's got such a gigantic fan base of his own so i cannot imagine the level of support Bronny will feel over the next couple seasons as he gets closer to that nba dream and then having that moment with his dad on a floor that would be pretty special 
My friend, I'm glad you spent some time with me. And as we get ready for the all-star break in Cleveland, hey, take a breath because the second half of the season, the Simmons show, the Durant show, Irving, uh, poor Steve Nash, would you cover in Brooklyn? It just, it's, it's ongoing. It's nonstop, nonstop. It, it just does not quit either. The days, and this, this is like the old school Bulls days. The days when you're like, oh man, there's an off day. I'm just going to lay down, go eat a cheeseburger at some place, <laughs> get to Cheval and just hang out. Right. No, that ain't happening with this team. <laughs> oh, we got the Simmons press conference today. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, the mayor's talking in a few hours. All right. Oh, like, yeah. Oh my there God. Is always something happening with this Nets team. And, the craziest part of all is so few people care about it locally here, but it is such a huge story nationally, uh, and I have never seen anything quite like that. That's amazing. Uh, Brand, you know, being in Brooklyn, there's all the star power there, and the Nets are still the Nets. That's amazing. All the whole, all these shows out here on the radio, hoodie, all Knicks. All the time, as far as the basketball conversation goes, wow! And and that has not stopped, uh, no matter who is in in or out of the lineup for the Nets. So the Nets fan base is small, and it still has to grow. But that part of this whole story is so so uh, fascinating because you're you're waiting for the interest locally to get there, and it hasn't to this point, but. This is such a huge story all across the country uh, for any basketball fan that's that's kind of seeing it day to day. Don't forget Nick's new book, Kyrie and Me, available now in bookstores everywhere <laughs> as he discusses and chronicles <laughs> his time with the, the Brooklyn Nets. after every week. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Always, my man. Ah, uh, yes. The Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Always great to hear from my guy, Nick Friedel. And don't forget, don't forget me, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I'll be on Sirius XM NBA Radio with Mitch Lawrence as we talk about All-Star Saturday. We'll do the post-game there. Mm, 10, 10.30 p.m. Central. It replays all night long, by the way, on NBA Radio if you're up late. And also Sunday after the All-Star Game, Mitch and I will talk about the All-Star Game and look forward to the second half of the season as well. All part of my time on NBA Radio this weekend for All-Star Weekend Cleveland. As always, I appreciate your support and listening to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. And as we get closer and closer to the second half of the regular season, we'll have some more guests on to kind of chronicle what we're going to see from the Bulls and the rest of the NBA in the second half. I'm John the Hood. Basketball is Hood. Thanks for listening. Have a great NBA All-Star Weekend, and we will talk soon. Subscribe. That way you never miss a podcast from the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.